This podcast contains adult themes, language, and violence. It is not suited to all audiences and may be triggering to some. In many cases, the names and details within these episodes have been changed to protect privacy. Opinions expressed by guests of the show do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast or its producers. Welcome to Isolated, a podcast about male victims of domestic abuse and control, as well as those suffering as a result of parent alienation syndrome. We are not therapists or experts in this field, but seek to bring these issues to light and provide awareness of early warning signs of abusive behavior and resources for help. Hello, ISOs. Anything new this week? Hey, Yachella. Well, you know, I've been thinking about something that you and I discussed off mic, and that is the feelings that we have about abusers, how we talk about them juxtaposed with the fact that they are probably mentally ill. However, being mentally ill doesn't excuse you from being called a monster when that's how you act. At least that's how I see it. And when my firstborn was two years old. I was trying to potty train him and I heard things coming out of my mouth that were very reminiscent of how I was humiliated as a child. And I thought, oh damn, this is not good. And scheduled my first of many therapy appointments. Yes, I realize not everyone can afford therapy, but there are also many good books out there now and online resources. And if you have any self-awareness at all, I feel like you catch yourself being a monster. You pivot, you do it better. Yeah, this is something we should discuss more as we learn and grow. But given what happened to your brother, we're just too angry to be very forgiving of abuse, especially under the guise of, well, it couldn't be helped. The abuser's sick. Sick, all right. Anyway, we welcome your thoughts on the matter. We just wanted you to know that we're aware of this bent in our narrative but are not inclined at this time on this podcast to be accepting and accommodating of abusive behavior. It's just not okay. I'm with you there. Right, okay, let's see. Last week, we left off with a beaten and injured Tammy being told to get in the bathtub by his abusive girlfriend, Rachel, who was a little more than pissed off that Tammy had taken an insurance payment for his accident and had not put it in their joint checking account. Tammy got into the bath as directed, and Rachel calmly and firmly told Tammy that he had a half an hour to transfer the money. He complied. He says, I never wanted to experience anything like that ever again. And what was that exactly? I mean, she draws him a bath. He gets in. Was the bath too hot? Was it too cold? Was it filled with salt? I feel like I'm missing information here. I know, but it's unclear from the translation why it was so horrific. Maybe he's referring to the physical abuse beforehand. You've got to feel vulnerable being in a bathtub. I mean, I would. Absolutely. I mean, I feel vulnerable just being naked. I would tell you, here's the money. I'm not getting in that tub. I'm not getting naked, no. Whatever it was, I'm sure he felt at her mercy. And that in itself is is bad enough for me. Agreed. I feel terrified for Tammy and his situation. As we've discovered, Gretchen Shaw, Associate Director for the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, says, quote, The chances are high that an abuser will abuse again, and any past history of domestic violence should be a huge red flag. In order to change, the abuser has to consciously choose to change and take responsibility for being abusive permanently. 
end quote. But somehow, I feel that's not what Rachel does here. Yeah, she clearly does not. Tammy didn't tell anyone what happened. Mm -hmm. He excused everything. The insurance money debacle left any facade of normalcy drop away. Day after day, Rachel now had Tammy under her control. He was not allowed to make a phone call alone, couldn't text anyone but Rachel, no access to his laptop. For appointments, he had to text when he got there, and when he left, he had to call her and stay on the phone until he made it back. Dang, Tammy's like a chip dog. Yeah, and if that wasn't bad enough, when he was home, he had duties to perform. Things like peel fruit for her the way she liked it, or she would throw it away. Ironing, folding, washing. You know what my husband would say? She's taken away his man card. Isn't he still recovering from major surgery anyway? Yes, but she didn't care. These were her demands, and they had to be met. When she was angry, or Tammy did something that she didn't care for, it didn't measure up to her standards, she would get up in his face and yell, you are not worth anything, as she slapped him and knocked his glasses off. Tammy endured all these things in silence. He would never say anything. Never? No. When he would stay silent, Rachel would undress and hit herself, saying things like, look, you cowardly pig, this is how you do it. She pulled her hair, screamed, scratched herself again and again. All Tammy could do is stand in front of her as if he were looking right through her. He describes it as being a disembodied shell. Did she want him to hit her? How do you not get so angry that you yell and hit back? I I don't know how I would do that. He seems so detached from what was happening. Maybe that is the only way to survive it. Absolutely. And his inactive silence made her even more mad. After these fits of rage, she would come up to him and punch him in the face and knee him in the stomach. For obvious reasons, Tammy had lost interest at this point in being intimate with her in any way. Oh, who wouldn't? The thought literally makes me puke. Well, Rachel didn't have a problem. (laughs) She was making sure she was going out nightly doing what she wanted. And one day she comes home to tell Tammy she's pregnant. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you just said they weren't having sex. They were not having sex, and this was not his baby. Ugh. Tammy's reaction to this news was really strange to me. At first, I thought he might feel a sense of relief, like maybe this could be a way out for him. Like, well, she has a new man now. It's his problem. Yeah. On the way out the door, I'll just whisper, ooh, hope you never meet the real Rachel. (laughs) So right, but that's not what happened. Tammy was actually happy to welcome this baby into their lives, even knowing the child was not his. He reveled in the hope that things would be better. So Tammy saw this as a good thing because it might make her nicer? He hoped. But as always, there were conditions. She would only have the child if he would marry her. Mm. Of course, Tammy did what he was told. I want to add here that she was in no way happy about having this child. She told Tammy she would never have a natural birth. She wasn't going to ruin her body. No breastfeeding for her, no waking up to take care of it, nothing. It? Who calls a baby it? This sounds like a bargaining chip in the making. Tammy didn't care. He wanted this. A change, a new hope, and he loved children. Mm. Right before their wedding, Tammy suffered another horrible incident that went down like this. He was still feeling very vulnerable and dependent. Not on her, of course. But in general, with his physical therapy, his wobbling around on crutches... One day, he decides he's going to set up the dinner table alone before she gets home to surprise her. Oh, you mean one of those things most wives would love when their husbands did that? Yeah, the thing that I would die from shock of. Right? (laughs) Yeah, he was so proud, and he was happy. 
But guess who isn't? Yeah, she flips her lid, goes crazy, starts breaking things and screaming at him. Why? She told him, you worthless piece of shit. Don't you dare do anything without my permission from now on. She then proceeds to kick and punch him. How crazy and evil is this woman? She's a dictator. She tells him she'll be back in two hours and wants that mess that she just created all cleaned up. Tammy was so savagely beaten, he had to miss physical therapy appointments so that no one would question him. Every part of this breaks my heart. The abuse seems never ending. It's either currently happening or he knows it's coming. And as we assumed, when the baby comes into the picture, not much changes. Mm. Rachel gives birth and isn't too particularly moved by the baby. It. It. Yeah. From the moment he was born, the baby's under Tammy's care full time. Outwardly, Rachel was the perfect mother. Aside from the two of them, no one knew he was the caregiver 24-7. One day, Rachel decides that she wants to convert the basement into rooms that can be rented out, complete with bathrooms and a small sink area, something like those extended stay hotels. As usual, Tammy complies. One day during this construction, Tammy purchased a flower and set it up in a vase for her. It was hard to translate exactly, but upon seeing that flower and vase, Rachel had an outburst. Are you saying she got pissed that her husband brought her a flower and put it in a vase? Well, my sweet hubby brings me flowers. I'm thrilled, but I'll tell you this. He has never put them in a vase. (laughs) I have to do it. (laughs) Her anger is completely lost on me. She kicked the flower vase to the floor and yelled at him. Was that what you wanted, you idiot? She then picked up the vase, which was still intact, and threw it at Tammy. The vase broke against his hand and left a badly bleeding wound. She slapped, spat, and hit his injured hand. She knew exactly what to do to cause him pain. She screamed, well, what are you going to do, hmm? Defend yourself like a man, she demanded. Again, she's such a misogynist. Does she want, need, desire someone to hit her? Because she keeps asking for it. It makes no sense. Tammy went to the hospital and told the doctor that he hurt his hand chopping wood. It makes me so sad that he didn't have the courage to ask the hospital for help. Would they have believed him? I I want to say yes, but we know that asking for help is extremely hard. And the response is highly individualized based on stereotypes, stigma, machismo, and the like. Which is why we are so set on changing the perception people have about domestic abuse. It does not just happen to women. On a different occasion, Tammy decided to run down the basement apartments to escape Rachel's abuse, but the door was locked. He turned around, but she was blocking him, screaming at the top of her lungs. In her hand was a phone, which she beat him with. Rachel insulted him and hit him again in the face. This time, Tammy yelled back. He screamed to her to leave him alone and started screaming for help. Whoa, go Tammy. I feel like it's about time. Well, don't get too excited. We know she doesn't do well when Tammy colors outside the lines. Rachel was momentarily stunned. But the more he screamed, the angrier she got. She came up to him and headbutted him in the nose with her forehead. You know how much that hurts. The blood ran from his face and stained all his clothes. A brutal scene of violence ensued. In the end, even Rachel realized that Tammy needed urgent help. Once in the hospital, he was diagnosed having multiple skull fractures, including a broken nose. After this episode, there were no more attacks for the time being, uh, at least none that required medical attention. 
there were still plenty of painful blows, kicks, insults, and defamation. Plenty of psychological abuse. And what we've heard from other survivors, that emotional abuse is just as bad, if not worse. And when we get to my brother's story, that psychological abuse is unimaginable. It is all these women that we have talked about so far wrapped up together times 10. Yeah, and it's not visible to anyone. So the emotional and economic forms of abuse were always Rachel's first choice. Things like yelling, insulting, humiliating, and degrading. You can't necessarily take a photo of that for evidence, even though they are wounds to be sure. Something Tammy wrote really stuck out to me and scared me, honestly. He said there was no pattern to what made her angry. So how can you avoid a confrontation? Anything could set her off, and therefore Tammy was always afraid. The TV was too loud. Food was too hot or too cold. Someone made her mad at work, etc. If she was bothered in any way, Tammy is the one who felt her displeasure. Tammy did his best to shelter the the baby from all of this madness, but it wasn't an easy task. One fateful day, Tammy found the courage to talk to her about finances, which quite honestly, we could do a whole nother episode about. It's so crazy. Mm. Her reaction showed Tammy she'd truly lost touch with reality. Jeez, what he went through already, that wasn't enough. Some people are hard sell. Rachel yelled, I don't give a shit what you have to say. And she went into an absolute rage. Tammy ran around trying to apologize. Rachel took a glass bowl from the living room and threw it. Okay, I'm Tammy. I think I would have tried to remove all heavy objects from the home at this point. All of our dishes would be melamine. (laughs) When Tammy went to pick up the bowl, she went after him and kicked him. She went AWOL. I'm talking ripping all the clothes from the closets and pulling doors off hinges fucking AWOL. Mm. She actually threw all his clothes down the basement. Tammy wanted to go get them back, so he starts going down no, the basement no, steps. No, no, not down in the basement. Yeah. With good reason. Rachel gives him a nudge the rest of the way, and Tammy falls down the stairs. I'm going to paint you a visual here. Mm. Tammy is a large man, about 230 pounds. And when she pushes him, he falls onto his right leg, the same leg that had been so badly injured in that car accident. He screamed in agony. Imagine this grown man, unable to move, lying on a pile of clothes at the bottom of the stairs. He said it looked and felt like he'd been hit by a bomb, but that bomb hadn't fully detonated yet. Oh my God. Rachel was just standing at the top of the stairs, staring at him. This is such a bad movie. She threw a basket of dirty laundry on top of him just for the hell of it and said, let's see how you get out of this situation. She leaves the house. She just drives away. Wait, wait, wait. What about the baby? Who can, who can leave their baby in alone in a house with a man who can't move? Then again, I, I guess you said she didn't really care much about the infant at all. Or, or Tammy, obviously. The baby is miraculously asleep through all of this. But Tammy's not. He is in an incredible amount of pain, and he could feel a broken bone. He needed help ASAP. He wrote in the book that he just felt so powerless. He even urinated himself. Oh, poor guy. Just then, in a crazy twist of fate, Rachel texts him, and the ping on his cell phone reminds him his phone was down there with him the whole time. What does she say? Uh, so sorry for being an awful, horrible, heinous bitch. No, but close. Major sarcasm there. Yeah. Rachel texts, 
I'll be back in two hours. Have everything cleaned up. Oh, sure. Let me get right on that after I reset my own bones and drive to the pharmacy for some Vicodin. This was my brother's wife to a T, but he is able to call for help, right? Yeah. I'm actually having major flashbacks of your brother here. Right? Yeah. Thankfully, the ambulance arrives for the fourth time now, and this time they find him in a situation that Tammy couldn't explain away with just a lie. He feels this indescribable shame. Here are the same EMTs helping him time and time again. And to top it off, he just pissed his pants. Tammy calls his family to come get the baby, and he goes off to the hospital. Is he worried about her coming home to nothing? I mean, how pissed off she'll be when she gets home and he's not there? So Tammy says that in the moment, he suppressed the fact that she would be back in a few hours. He was just in so much pain. The doctor told Tammy that his lower leg bone was broken and split at the top. The implant he had from his previous injury was bent and caused the bone to tear again. On top of all of that, a lot of blood and fluid had collected in his leg. They immediately prepped him for surgery. And because of the severity of the injuries, the doctor asked Tammy how he'd gotten them. Tearfully, he told the doctor that he couldn't say. That's when the doctor asked if it was domestic abuse. Tammy didn't answer, but the doctor knew. This would have been the best time to put an end to all these years of suffering, to come out... Tell the doctor everything. Call the police. End it. I know, but Tammy said the fear of her was terrifying. Mm. And so he kept his mouth shut. The next day, Rachel appeared at the hospital. When the nurse left the room, she tightly squeezed his arm and told him this was only a sample of what would happen if he dared tell anyone what happened. If she found out he betrayed her, he better prepare himself. And she took a sip of water and poured the rest on his bed. Absolutely no empathy or remorse from this woman. Poor Tammy is realizing more and more the extremes this nut job will go to. And that instant little baby caught up in this crap. Right. Tammy feels that Rachel isn't simply threatening him, but actually capable of everything she's saying. He said that after this, he would do anything she asked in order to live without violence and abuse. And she knew that. Mm. She was still taking her daily bath that lasted hours. And every time she required Tammy to cut up fruit for her to munch on as she bathed. But only fruits that she liked. On one occasion, no fruit was good enough for her. What? Like she turns away everything and Tammy's like, okay, what now? Do I fly to Jamaica for something exotic that might be agreeable to her today? I mean, seriously. Seriously. Tammy feels an immediate and overwhelming fear. What would he say to her? Somehow he finds the courage to say they have no suitable fruit. She replies with an, okay, fine, then asks him to leave the bathroom. Okay and fine are two of the scariest words. No one is ever fine when they say they're fine, and it's never okay. Exactly. And Tammy knew it wasn't okay, and it wasn't going to be fine. He ran as fast as he could to his refuge, the basement, and locked himself. He could hear her running down the stairs and pounding on the door. This is making my heart pound. I know. I'm putting pressure on your ass, she screams. You're a coward. I've never quite said anything quite like that. I'm putting pressure on your ass, but I'm sure it's not good. I'm sure it could come out if you're really pissed, but come on. She somehow manages to break down the wooden door and comes in screaming at him. You think you're clever, huh? But I'll show you. She began to hit herself. 
first on the upper body, then her arms and head again and again. She shouted, stop, don't hurt me. Then she takes photos of herself and tells him, you'll have a hard time with this evidence. So if you ever get the idea to open your mouth, don't. Was she recording this or was she just hoping a neighbor would hear? I do think she was recording, actually. Uh, Tammy is, I mean, understandably freaked out. He finds the keys to his car and gets in. She follows him and grabs a stone, throws it at his car, says, next time it'll be your head, not the car. His fear is at an all-time high, and so is my anxiety from reading about this. Mm. Tammy locked the car doors, and Rachel yelled at him to leave. Great. Go. Never come back. And he does. He drives away, but he doesn't know where to go. He drives aimlessly, thinking about the last few years. He relived every instance of violence like a movie on Fast Forward. The feelings were overwhelming, and he was petrified she would track him down and find him. It was already dark, and he wound up at the mast but could hardly see it. The mast? What's that? I'm not 100% sure, but I'm thinking it's this tall thing on a boat or near a boat. I don't know. That's what his German word translated to, but it was something tall for the sake of this argument. I'm going to call it a water tower. He parked his car and looked up at the tower, still replaying everything. He could feel Rachel's breath, smell her even. Tammy said he had an unimaginable fear that it would never end. Mm, He just wanted it to be over. He got out of his car and thought that the tower could help him escape Rachel forever. Even though he was deathly afraid of heights, it no longer mattered because this height would release him from his torment. He climbed the tower and sat for a very long time. Tammy was afraid to jump but said that suicide became an increasingly beautiful idea. After a long while, a car drives up and a man gets out. The man calls to him to be sensible and get down. At first, Tammy doesn't notice him, but his voice gets louder and more urgent. Tammy realizes the man was a friend he had made at the hospital when the baby was born. The man tells Tammy that Rachel got worried and called him for help. He and Rachel had been driving around searching for him. Oh, sure, Rachel was worried. She was worried her slave had jumped ship. The friend is sobbing so heartbreakingly, and Tammy later said he didn't want to scar him. He gives Tammy a hug and asks him never to do anything like that again. Tammy gets into the car where Rachel is waiting. She looks at Tammy and tells him to clean himself up, but not before calling him a cowardly pig. Tammy recalls that the friend saved his life, but never even knew why Tammy wanted to end it all. He didn't know about the abuse and control at home, but Tammy says he owes him his life. From that moment, Tammy made up his mind to break away from Rachel. He realized that if he had been willing to end his life to escape from her, then whatever happened next was worth it. Tammy ends his story more like a beginning. He says that now is when the fight truly begins a fight that has made him a criminal in some ways and even left him homeless at times. Tammy writes that communicating this struggle and its outcome to the world is my heartfelt desire. Wait, wait, that's it? Does he leave for good? Who has the baby? Is he still experiencing abuse? I don't know. The book ends so abruptly, but it does sound like there may be a sequel coming uh, that will tell more about his fight for freedom and just 
the things he's embarked on. The first book was written in 2018, so perhaps a part two is almost ready to publish. I sure hope he's safe. Even homelessness is better than living with her. I recall a Bible verse, uh, Proverbs 21.9, that is sometimes translated, it's better to be outside and exposed to the elements than inside and exposed to the abuse of a contentious and quarrelsome wife. And Rachel is way beyond contentious. That verse has just become so real. For sure. We'll put a link to Tammy's book in the show notes for those of you who want to read this story in German. You can support the continuing work of this podcast and men experiencing domestic abuse through our Patreon page. There's a link on our website. As always, ISOs, we pray for your safety and healing. Until next time, be safe, be smart, and survive. If you or someone you love is being abused by an intimate partner, we have resources listed on our website at isolatedpodcast.com. If you have an experience, expertise, or advice you'd like to share, please send an email to notalone at isolatedpodcast.com or visit our website. Your privacy, should you desire it, is a top priority for us. You can support the work of this podcast and help fund much-needed therapy for men who can't afford it by becoming a member through our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash isolated podcast, which also gets you perks and benefits unavailable to non-members. You can cancel at any time. Your five-star review on iTunes will also help promote the show and help listeners find the podcast. Thank you so much for your support.